Welcome to Broad Ideas. Hello, my people. Hello. Hi. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Today, Rachel's talking about her favorite subject. Oh, shut up, Rob. <laughs> um, well, it just so happens we have someone on today who knows a lot about this subject. And we're going to talk to her. <laughs> Emily Morse, she's a sex therapist. She's an author, also a media personality. She has a podcast, Sex with Emily, which is hugely popular. And I love having these open conversations around this subject, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, we get to talk to Emily Morse today. And I was super excited. Great conversation. Let's just jump right into it. Sometimes when the world feels insane, you can take a little peek inside of Rachel's little brain. All these thoughts are swirling round and round inside to join us on this journey as we take a little ride. We'll talk about dogs and kids and Because people die. We're here. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. My goodness, Hi. you are stunning. Hello. Oh, so pretty. Thank you. Oh, oh my so God. So pretty. <laughs> Thank you. So nice to see you both. It's so nice to see you. I'm Rachel. That's Olivia down there. Hi. 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 I'm sorry we didn't get to meet in person. I know. Me too. But I'm so next happy time. you're here. Yes, next time yeah, for too. sure. Olivia's out of town. It was just Everything's a little crazy, but um, I got you. <laughs> but thanks for being here with us. I've been so excited to talk to you. I have to tell you, I grew up in a household with a mother who is maybe you could say too open when it comes to sex. <laughs> so for me, this is very comfortable. <laughs> Isn't your mom a sex therapist? So she's not. She doesn't have a degree, okay? But she okay. she counsels in it. It's her area of specialty. Okay, you know, super comfortable with it. And when I showed her, I'm like, oh, we're talking to Emily, and she's like, a sister. Tell her I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very cute. <laughs> I can picture how you grew up, though. Yeah, it was very open. Everything was okay. Everything was okay. Yes, like the night after I lost my virginity, my mom's like, let me talk to you about sex, and I was like. <laughs> How do you know these things? Anyway, and so, you know, yes, a little too much at times. But anyway, right. this is a right. familiar, familiar space. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. Familiar safe space. Familiar okay. safe space. Yes. So we can't wait to talk to you about all the work you do, your podcast and your new book, and just your whole what philosophy behind sex and how you approach it, and if you can introduce a little of that to us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I think that I know you guys talk a lot about mental health and spirituality and all the, you know, people get really real on your podcast. And so <laughs> what I realized is that the interesting thing about like my philosophy about sex is that our sexual health is an important part of our overall health and wellness. It's not separate, but right. for years we've separated sex to be this random like outward outlier that we should somehow kind of fit into our lives. And so my philosophy is that being sexually healthy means that we're going to be overall well and healthy. And, and then I just was, you know, for years, I've been talking about this with people. And I think what I realized is and where I just, that people realize it's sort of this, 
we sort of compartmentalize sex and we put it on the, the back burner and we sort of think it's disconnected from every area of our life, but it's directly related to our mental health, our physical health, our overall well-being. So my philosophy is that like, look at your mental health, look at what medications you're taking, look at how often you move your body, how well you communicate with your partner. All these things are going to contribute to what is going to make you feel, have the best sex of your life, mm. essentially. Yeah. So you've had a lot of good sex. <laughs> I have. But do you know, this show, my mission was born from the fact that I was in my mid-30s, and I think you can relate to this. I wasn't having orgasms with a partner. I, I was faking pleasure, faking everything, really. I thought that pleasure was about my partner's pleasure. So I started this show because I was like, didn't know how to have great sex. And so I, you know, that was my mission. My mission was like, sex is supposed to be this amazing thing that everyone <laughs> talks about, but it's not for me. Right. And then I realized that a lot of other people, it wasn't great for them either. So, right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, so yes, I have been uh, vocal about, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because it was taken out of context, like what I had said. And people are like, oh, she never had an orgasm until she was 38. And I'm like, that's not what I said. And that's not true. Um, (laughs) yeah, I know. So I was like, no, no, no. And I had to correct it and all of that. But it's also such a taboo topic that I think is so lame because so many women, you know, feel like they can't talk about if they're not having an orgasm or what's helping them have an orgasm or if it's something you share, if you can have it through penetration. Like it's just all this whole taboo (sighs) topic that we love to open the space where it's more comfortable to talk about. Yeah. It's so important, you know? It's so important. And why is it still so taboo and so shameful? Like, that is essentially my mission. Like, let's talk about sex like we're talking about the weather. Like, it's sunny with a chance of (laughs) orgasms. Can we just normalize it and talk about it wherever we go? Because it's the only way we're going to feel comfortable and safe with it. Right. Otherwise, it's like this random scary thing. Totally. You know what's cute is that, so my son goes to a Catholic school, and I'm not, we're not Catholic, but it's a good school. And one of the moms was like, wait, what do you do? What is your podcast? And I was like, you don't worry about it. (laughs) I don't want you to listen. And they were all like, they all caught on. They're like, well, what do you mean you don't want us to listen? And I was like, well, you know, we talk about things that kind of push the envelope. And this one mom is so precious. She looks at me and she goes, I listen to sex with Emily all oh, the she- time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said then, okay, you're welcome to come listen to ours too then. I love it. Well, that's the thing about podcasts. As you know, it's like, it's the anonymity to it. Like I started, you know, people feel like I can listen to it and it's not like I don't have to, you know, I can kind of do my own thing. Kind of like why Fifty Shades of Grey became so popular because it was yeah. the first time people could listen on their, like on their iPad or whatever. They could do an ebook with it or whatever it was at the time. They're like, no one has to see it. I think podcast is the same same thing and so yeah people can call in they can share their stories and they just yeah can feel safe yeah. I love that yeah and yeah. there's yeah there's so many women especially like you're saying at a catholic school that are like at a catholic school <laughs> tell me I everything know. but yeah, yeah she was like I listen to sex with Emily we're safe I, she's like, I we got this it. it's like yeah, a language exactly. if you speak the sex with Emily language but yeah I mean really it's um, hopefully it's. I, I I I love that. I feel like we're definitely not teaching it in school. So I mean, this is why I love podcasts and your podcast. You bring up all these topics that we just. The more we talk about it, the better we're going to feel, and then our sex is going to be better because we're going to be like, I'm not so shameful about it. I can talk to my partner about it. And right. Hopefully, you're with somebody that can also talk about it. Right. You know. For sure. For sure. And that's always been like my mom's thing is starting to talk about it. Girls need information and adolescents and like you know. 
especially when they're coming into this world where curiosities are flying and all this other stuff. And so that's her belief is like, you're not teaching them the important things <laughs> to her that sex. <laughs> um, well, it's true. Yeah. It's yeah, true. yeah. Yeah. For sure. How was your sex education? Like I learned about, yeah, pregnancy, like don't get pregnant. Here's how you, you know, your menstrual cycle and like don't have sex because you're going to get pregnant or get an STD or an STI. But yeah, we don't teach anything about like pleasure and just right. consent and any of that. So it's like huge mystery. And the thing is, I don't know what it's like at your kid at the Catholic school, but I don't think it's changed much. No, the education. no, it hasn't. No, so no, we're still walking sure. around, right? Yeah. yeah, and these young girls are curious. You know, you'll see them like their hands curious, whatever. Kristen Bell spoke openly about you know that with like her kids, and and it is something. And and to have the dialogue, I think, is so beneficial. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's yeah. not shameful. Two questions. Okay. Is there an age you think is appropriate? And also, like for me, I grew up also with a very open mom, but it made me kind of uncomfortable. Like I didn't want to have those conversations with her. And so if it's not going to come from a parent, like where should it come from? Mm, I guess it has to, questions. right? Or And what age yeah. is appropriate and how? Because I know my mom would say things like, oh, well, did he put his finger in you? And I'd be like, stop it. <laughs> gross. Right. Yeah. It's tricky. It's so tricky. Those are such good questions. I mean, like my mission is really just to kind of get people to change the way we are even having these conversations in America. So how, okay. So the only place that I can cite is doing this correctly and that works is in the friggin' Netherlands. In the Netherlands, they start talking about sex to kids when they're like, pre-verbal like they and wow. meaning, they're not like so you know this is how you use a condom <laughs> I mean, they're literally like naming the parts and there's no shame in it they'll say like this is your toes and your knees and your vulva vagina mm -hmm. your belly but they're not like going your hoo-ha or your yee-haw they're like this is the name <laughs> they're naming the parts and then they teach kids about consent as they get a little, and that's like when they're very young and then maybe they're a little bit old even like two to three years old if their kid's touching themselves, which which is probably mm -hmm. what you were referring to on the yeah. podcast. Because a lot of times, we don't even remember this, our kid's touching themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Our toddler. They put their hands on their pants and you're like, don't do that. That's wrong. Right. So sometimes these early messages are shameful. We don't even remember that we did that, but we're like, the, you know, your grandparents are sitting there and you had your hand on your pants. <laughs> so I told you not to do that. So it's all of these messages that build up. Now, if you go somewhere like the Netherlands, it's completely normal. It's okay. It's accepted. So maybe at that age, they would say, okay, you know, that's something that you might want to do in your room. Or, mm -hmm. you know, does that, feel, or they might even say, does that feel good? I know that feels good. Right now we're eating dinner. So let's do that after <laughs> dinner, right? Like, let's wait till we're not in the middle of the grocery that's aisle. That's dessert. Yeah. <laughs> that's dessert. Exactly. Right? But we just automatically, so there's these little things that we do in our society that we don't even realize it, that we're shaming people. But since it's normalized in the Dutch countries, so they, they like talk about it. So then as the kids get older, they teach them about like feelings they might be having. Like even in, in elementary school, they'd say like, okay, you have a crush on, you know, Bobby. Like this is what it's feeling in your body. And if you had a tingle in your genitals, they just have a way of normalizing it. They talk to kids about sex every single year in their health class. And so parents at that age too, they, they do talk about pregnancy and menstruation and all those things, but they also talk about pleasure and orgasm. Mm. So I remember hearing a story about like a Dutch parents whose kids had sex for the first time and they were like, how'd it go? Did you feel good? Did you have pleasure? Did he take care of you? Like it was a very normal, as the family talked about around the table. Yeah. So 
there's a way that we almost have to like lambast America. Like I, I, cause I think Kids still feel awkward about it now. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you still felt awkward about it. Yeah. Your kids might still feel awkward. But I think the more we do it and more regularly, I think that our kids will start to understand that it's not a one-time conversation. That even though your your kids are like, ew, gross, mom, I don't want to hear you say it. You're like, no, you are going to talk to me about it. But also, ideally, there's peer educators, which I'm working on some programs for kids to kind of, people who be able to train themselves. Like that would be ideal. But I think getting this education into our schools isn't really going to happen. So there's some other, you know, I think that just normalizing it with our kids and having conversations. I have a lot of episodes I've done on sex with Emily about this. Um, but yeah, we're not there in America yet, but I think that, that this, the, the solution is getting peers, the aunts, the cousins, the uncles, everyone just to kind of talk about it and right. without shame. Yeah, to normalize yeah. it. And I think any age normalizing it. For sure. Yeah. It is tricky because like if I see my, I have two boys and you know boys and their penises. Yes. And <laughs> I don't want to say to them, don't do that. Like instinctually, I know that's wrong. I don't want them to feel like what they're doing is wrong. It's their body. It probably feels good. It's not a big deal. They're sitting there watching TV playing with their penis. I would never be like, you need to stop. However, when someone else comes in the room is when I feel like, hey, you, you, sh- you maybe not want to play with your penis in front of people. Yeah, you could say, I know that feels good. And actually, it's self-soothing. Like, the reason why I put our hands on our pants, yeah. and again, it's more normalized for boys. Not that it doesn't feel good for girls, but we, like, think about how much we glorify, like, men and their penises and masturbation all that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, going yeah. back, like, so that's why. But it's soothing. So they're soothing themselves, and it feels good. So you could say to them, you know, um, I told you, know, when people come over, when there's people in the other room, like, or in the room with us, it might be better just to kind of wait till you are in your bedroom for that because it's, I know that it feels good, but it can be kind of a distraction from the connection we're having with others. And it's good to soothe ourselves when we're like in our rooms by ourselves. That's okay. good. You could say yeah, that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And then you might have to remind him a few times. I don't know about <laughs> you, but I, anytime I want to change a behavior, I need to be reminded of a few times. Oh. Like if someone's like, can you remember to, you know, right. say this thing or close the door or do this thing? So it's like, you know, it's not that they're disrespectful or just like, you know, you have to remind them a few times and then they'll start to get it. And so yeah. that's how it starts. And also normalizing like masturbation and just saying like, hey, you might be masturbating and like letting them know that's okay and getting ahead of it. And like, I know some parents who like give their kids tissues in their bathroom, give them lotions, give them and say like, you're going to start having these feelings and puberty and explaining to them what it is, even if it's clunky and it's awkward, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's better than saying nothing. And right. letting them know to come to you if they if they have questions. Right. And it'll be a lot easier. It'll get a lot easier. Yeah. It's like a safe space for the... It's a safe... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they won't feel like you are... Because otherwise, when they're left up to their own devices, right? Let's say they, they start to masturbate. Then they start to think like, well, no one's talking about it. And, and, yeah. and maybe they saw porn. Remember, kids are seeing porn at like eight years old right now. And no. Eight years old? That's what they're saying. Eight ooh, or nine years ooh, old. Oh, oh, I, I just saw something on Facebook that said that they're targeting porn to toddlers and stuff. They make these videos with different um, characters that parents would glance over and think their kids are watching Spider-Man or whatever, but it's really um, sexually stimulation, whatever. You get what I mean? Yeah, stimulating. Yeah. What are your thoughts on porn? It's a good question. I mean, my thoughts on porn are that porn is – you know, can be really titillating and arousal. You can learn 
things from it. You can definitely learn how maybe what some things that might turn you on. I love watching it with a partner. I think that's great. Um, I think the problem, I think porn without sex education, without any information around it is where it's harmful because mm -hmm. many people think that porn is literally a blueprint for how we're supposed to be having sex. And it's not like they're uh -uh. cheating towards camera. They're scripts. It's not accurate. She's not really having an orgasm. I'm like looking at the screen going like, he's nowhere near her clitoris. That doesn't actually feel good. And so I think that <laughs> for young people, when they're thinking like, this is actually how you have sex. And the problem is there's not, a, again, enough information for how you actually do have sex. So they're mm -hmm. like, okay, if that's not real, then what is real? Mm -hmm. um, that's where it's like education and talking about it, just letting them know that there is a script there. So I think that's one thing. But there is, you know, when sex becomes a problem and there's all this debate in the community, like is porn addiction a thing? And they don't like using the word addiction. But here's the thing. If it's having an impact on your life and you feel like you can't get aroused without the porn. You know, it's hard for you to have sex with a human being when the porn's not playing in the background. You're not showing up for work on time. Like then porn's a problem. So there's like a spectrum of porn watching. But I do mm -hmm. think that again, porn without accurate information is 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 problematic. So that's my takes on it. But there's yeah. some good porn out there. There's like ethical porn. There's like audio erotica and there's like other porn that's made like by women yeah, that I know about not under the male gaze. Yes. And so that can be really hot and titillating too, to like listen to audio and to, or to find porn that's actually made with real bodies that are look like your bodies and that have like porn with a plot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with more of a, that, that could also be really, you know, arousing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the education though behind it is, is super important and just, I think that, I, I don't know, the age when you start watching it and like you're saying, you know, when you have this idea and how it influences and, and yeah, for sure it can be problematic. And, and it brings up, so you touched on faking orgasms. So that is something that you used to do. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. That's it for a long time. I talk about how I've never done that. I have never <sighs> so faked good. an orgasm. That's I know, amazing. And I'm like, Am I an asshole? Because then I start to go into that people-pleasing <laughs> thing and like, oh, am I just a dick? Because like I, you know, never gave them that. Yeah. It goes against my whole nature of being like a people-pleaser and like yeah. putting the dude first. <laughs> Broad Ideas is supported by Sundays for Dogs. Sundays is healthy, air-dried dog food made from a short list of human-grade ingredients, Sundays was co-founded by Dr. Tori, a practicing veterinarian, and contains 90% meat, 10% vegetables, and 0% synthetic nutrients. Besides USDA beef and all-natural chicken, you'll find digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger, plus disease-fighting antioxidants. Dog parents report noticeable health improvements in their pups, including softer fur, fresher breath, thank goodness, better poops, and more energy. I love Sundays because Gertie loves Sundays because she no longer itches all day long. It really has affected her skin and her fur, and it's not pink and itchy anymore because she had allergies. So we're very grateful to our Sundays for dogs. Unlike other fresh dog food, Sundays is zero prep, zero mess, and zero stress. Sundays is shelf-stable, which makes it easy to feed your pup top-quality food. Every order ships right to your door, so you'll never worry about running out of dog food again. We worked out a special deal for our dog-loving listeners. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com ideas or use code ideas at checkout. 
That's sundaysfordogs.com slash ideas. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. Broad Ideas is supported by HelloFresh. This summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. Reach your goals with delicious calorie-smart and protein-smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan recipes too. Get farm-to-table quality with every HelloFresh box. HelloFresh's seasonal ingredients are picked at peak ripeness and travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days for fresh flavor in every bite. Figuring out what's for dinner is not at the top of anyone's summer activity wish list. HelloFresh delivers mouthwatering chef-crafted recipes and fresh ingredients to your door so you can spend your summer doing, well, whatever you want. I'm a big fan of no mess, no stress, and summer evenings without having to do so. HelloFresh makes it so easy, and my daughter loves all of the meals. And I actually really enjoy cooking with her because she loves to cook. Again, makes it super easy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Ideas16 and use code Ideas16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Ideas16 and code Ideas16 for 16 free meals and free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Well, I, it's so funny. Yeah, no, I am a people pleaser. So I think that's why I, I always did it. That's so funny. But that's amazing that you didn't cross that off that threshold yeah. Good for you. Well, I just, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because then you were real about it. You're like, I'm not having it. But by, but I realized, yeah. So I did fake orgasms for a long time because I kind of thought, first off, okay, this goes back to all the lack of sex education and misinformation. I literally thought that sex was supposed to happen with two people. Think of all the sex we see in movies. There's two people, they make out, there's maybe a little bit of foreplay, they fall onto the bed, they roll over, they both have orgasms, and it's all over in like five to seven minutes. And so I thought that that was how sex would happen. And I always thought when I was with partners that it was taking too long, that if they were like going down on me, I remember like staring at the clock and being like, okay, it's been five minutes now, it's been seven minutes now. I've been not knowing that it actually takes women anywhere between like 18 minutes and 40 minutes to orgasm with a partner. Therein lies the orgasm gap because you have a penis. It might take you anywhere between like eight and 12 minutes. So just everything we know about sex is just untrue and wrong and set up for us for false expectations. I didn't even grow up with porn. So it was like, I didn't even, so I just thought it's not happening. Something's wrong with me. My partner seems happy, you know, when he orgasms. So that must mean that sex is great when he orgasms. That, that means sex was a success if my partner has one. My orgasms are not as important. So I'm just going to fake it. Maybe oh I'll God. fake multiples. Right. But they, that <laughs> statistic, I've never heard that. That's like mind-blowing to me. Right? Yes. Right. Yes. That's crazy. It's crazy. So if that is the truth, that's like the orgasm gap. That's literally like, we're not even warmed up yet. We're not even ready to go yet. And then they're having orgasms. So that's why it's so important to like learn to like communicate. Like it's like this holistic approach to sex, realizing that like, it's not going to happen just because you're rubbing my genitals. Like there's all these other things that come into play for you to have better, smarter sex, essentially. So uh, this is why I just wrote my book too. I've been talking about this for almost 20 years and I realized that that people tend to like compartmentalize, like I said, they compartmentalize sex. They think that something's wrong with them. And I realized that people want like a quick fix and they want for their sexual problems, like why can't, like why people might fake orgasms. There's like a million reasons why, right? But for each person, I could decide like for me, I could like run through these sexual pillars that I just wrote about in my book and figure out like why was I faking it or why, why like the biggest problems we have around sex are like sort of 
okay, we can solve them. Like we can fix our own sexual problems. But to go back to orgasms, that was a really big one for me that like, I thought that I was broken because I couldn't have one. I mean, what about you? Like, Rachel, you talked about not having one, but you weren't faking it. So what were you doing? Well, no, Do you I, mind so, if I ask? Yeah, no, please. I, I talked I, about, I was was not able to have one, like, actual, like, during actual penetration sex, you know, because it, it right. and I know for a lot of women, some never do. It's a way harder orgasm to have. And that's what I was referring to. For me, you know, my first orgasm didn't come until I was probably 20 years old with a partner, uh, you know, from him touching me and it took a very long time and it finally happened. And then it was like, okay, the floodgates have opened. And then it was like easier, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but from penetration, it's such like, it's such a, and, and I was reading something where like people put that kind of orgasm on a pedestal because it's so yes. much harder to achieve, you know, and, and Please. that's what happened. So I just was, but it was it, all it had to do with all it had to do with well mostly it was about me and my body <laughs> and being comfortable and figuring out like position and whatnot and uh and that's what it was and yes it, you know and they in and it was so interesting because now I can and it that's different partners I've been able different, to and you have to learn right mm-hmm. but it's learning your body and exactly that's exactly it yeah that's exactly it no I love that you're saying that because the truth is only Okay, so the stats get kind of wonky here, but <laughs> only between like 25% of women say maybe 20 can orgasm with a partner during penetration. Mm-hmm. So that's wow. it. I, I, you were so, like, and ever, like literally. It's low, yeah. It's very rare. It's really, really low. And so that's what, and I thought, yeah, exactly. I thought that that's how everyone did, but it turns out most can. And it's good that you learn that eventually, but I, I could on my own too, but not with a partner. So I was like, you got to fake it. But most women, I don't know about but you learn like we need more clitoral stimulation. Mm-hmm. We need more foreplay. We need to be aroused and turned on. So just learning to be with a partner that you can communicate that and say like, I need to move this way. I need to, because like like one of the greatest books written about sex too is She Comes First by Ian Kerner. And I think he just had his like 20th year anniversary of the book. But literally that whole notion of like, we just talked about the orgasm gap. Like we know he's going to get there. Like mm-hmm. it's going to happen. It's going to feel good. He's going to have an orgasm. But we're not necessarily going to, unless we learn to figure out the steps that it's going to take for us to get there. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, sounds yeah. like you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. Well, I did. And I did. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> Good, but, right. Yeah. But so have you, so not being able to with a partner, so you said you were your mid-30s and then, okay. right? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So, I wasn't with a partner, but I did through masturbation. Right. And so what happened was, <laughs> what happened was, <laughs> I realized so I started this podcast literally then, and I started interviewing people and realizing that most people were like, either that I knew that there was a small percentage of women. I thought it was like some kind of miraculous thing that they were able to do. And it was, and we do put these orgasms on a pedestal with the partner. But it turns out that it really has to do with our anatomy. And it's how, so this is the first thing I learned, that it's how close your clitoris is to your vaginal opening. And so it's about an inch closer, like the closer it is, you're more likely to orgasm during penetration. Like, that's it. It's not some mystical thing. It's that doesn't mean, you know, it's literally your anatomy and your biology, how you were born. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing. So then I realized that, you know, I'm never going to like, I'm not going to fake orgasms again. I'm going to learn my own body. So that also when I started the show, what I learned was, is that I wasn't really masturbating that much. I was sort of thinking that 
if I always had partners, I'm with a partner, like I'm just going to like kind of figure it out. But I the best, the best sexual knowledge I ever gained and what I learned the most of was by taking time to figure out my own body and what felt good. And so then I started experimenting with toys and with different fantasies and with porn and all the things. And I realized like, oh, I know how to orgasm. And it's just like learning my own body and my own like muscle memory. And then mm-hmm. I realized like I need to like pump my pelvic floor, like your Kegel muscles, mm-hmm. right? Which are responsible for orgasm. I learned how to tense and relax those during sex. I learned what kind of clitoral stimulation I needed. So then I could tell my partners what felt good. And so like, that was my whole journey. And then being with guys where I was just like, I'm, I became just much more open to explaining to them like this path was that what I was on. And what was really fun is at the time that I was sort of having my sexual awakening doing the show. So in real time, I'd be like, I got this whole thing of toys that we need to try. Or like, <laughs> let's go to a sex party tonight. Or, oh, you know, I want to hear about that. <laughs> oh my God, they're really fun. Sex parties are fun. I just Tell went to us. one recently. You I just did? went to one recently. Mm-hmm. Are you in a yeah. committed relationship currently? I am in a committed relationship. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so okay, yeah. that's something you guys do together. We did tell together. Us, tell we just us did. about so it. So I had, okay, I'll tell you all about it. Tell please, about it. please. So and I did a podcast, <laughs> Sex with Emily, about going to sex party, if you want to check it out. But what happened? So, so seriously, sex parties, right? And it was, it's really fun to get kind of titillated and go into a party that, first off, to go to a party where you have to be like, it's not just everyone can come to this party. You have to go through a process of being interviewed. You have to know that you are consenting to the rules, which is you have to ask for permission. You have to usually, in these parties that I went to, it's couples and like committed couples and women, like single women. And there's all different kinds of parties, mm-hmm. right? For all genders, all sexual orientations. But the one that I went to, this was the the jam. And couples who go to these parties tend to have really excellent communication. They talk to their partners about, you know, what they might be open to. Are you open to watch? Some people just want to watch other people. It's kind of like their foreplay for the night. Or maybe they want to experiment with another woman or they want to be with another couple, you know, swapping as we call it or mm-hmm. swinging. Um, and so there's a lot of different... You know, so so the people who go to these parties actually get there, have to like go through a process of talking to the owners and filling out a form and making sure that, you know, something like there's a, a, a fee associated with it. And there's like a lot of the prep that goes into it, making sure that you are ready to go to a party. And there's no obligation because it's a sex party. There's like no obligation that you have to have sex, right? There's no one like, not like you walk in the door and they're like, take your clothes off <laughs> and get into this pile of people, these bodies here having like an orgy and having sex with them. So thank God there's no pressure there. And so, yeah. So this one that we went to was just sort of an open, like, so the, the people who throw this party, it's called Kinky Rabbit. You can go to their website and they (laughs) have a process that people, so, so you go in and the woman who runs it is, comes up with like different sexual themes. So the one we went to was like Midsummer Night's Dream, but it was all decorated like a like a dream or a fairy tale fantasy. And like they rent out a house in like, you know, the Hollywood Hills and the dress code is like sexy sleepwear. And you go in and you are wearing like sexy pajamas or whatever you want. And there's a little show where people are, I don't know, like in all different stages of undress or they're doing, you know, there's just some, you know, there's like a shabari rope tire. There's like all these different props in different corners. Like there's a room of sex toys. There is a room of like people being like tied up if you want to learn to like tie your partner up or someone doing rope tying. There's, you know, 
So at the beginning of the night, people are, it's like a regular party. People are drinking and getting to know each other. And then like an hour or two goes on and you realize like it starts at 10 or 11 and then it goes to like four in the morning and then you walk into different areas and then there's, yeah, groups of people like having sex together. And, and it's like no thing. You're just like. It's an open thing. Do you guys share people or do you just. We didn't. So we, people do. We didn't right. in this party, um, but we would be open to it for sure. Mm-hmm, and, right. But we, we, we didn't this particular time, but we have talked about the fact that we would be open to experimenting and playing. But really for us, for this time that we're at in my life with my partner, it was just really hot to see meet other couples and to watch and to see. And it's kind of like watching real live porn and then going home and being in your house. And it's kind of like a really hot experience for us. And I could see maybe we're in a really healthy place. I think I would never be in relationships like I was in the past where, like, here's the thing. Every relationship, I think, is going to have jealousy. They're going to mm-hmm. go through periods where you're really hot and turn on. Like we all have the honeymoon phase. And then you have periods of time where you might want other things to keep it interesting and sexy. And so I know that this is something that we would, you know, be open to at some right. times in our life. And so just to even know that sometimes, to know that like if that would turn him on to like see me with somebody else or he, I'd want him to, like we could go there. And sometimes even just the act of talking about it. We have this thing on my site called the yes, no, maybe list. And so this has been like a game changer for us and for many couples And it lists like 80 different sex acts and different things that you might want to try, right? Because I think for couples, sometimes they get stuck in Mm -hmm. knowing what they want to try or what to do. You're like, we're doing missionary sex every single night and it's so boring. It's the same thing over and over again. And so this list like kissing, spanking, watching other people have sex, going to a sex party, um, using your dirty talk. And then it's a yes and no, or is it maybe? And my couple and my partner and I like filled this out. We realized like, we were mostly yeses. We were like, <laughs> we'd be down. I'm like, I love you. This is awesome. Okay, so this is, yeah. So this party came up. They were friends of friends. I was like, let's go. Let's go and see what happens. And I can't tell you how, for like days after, weeks after, we were like talking about the party. And I had them on my show. And we like talked about the experience. And it's like, listen, what most people are craving in long-term relationships are novelty. They're craving something new and different. Like it could be literally a bottle of lube. It could be a toy. It could Mm -hmm. be we went to a sex party. We watched a new kind of porn. They're also craving spontaneity. We're craving something like we didn't know the sex was going to happen and it happened. I've interviewed so many people about like, what's the most memorable time you have sex? And it's usually when they didn't think the sex was going to happen. They were on vacation. There was just something new and, and spontaneous. And the other thing is like variety. Like we're not having sex in the bedroom every night, but sometimes we're having it in the living room or we're, you know, trying various different positions and things. Because just like anything, if you had the same meal every single night, that's going to get a little stale and boring. And if you agree that sex is something to be prioritized and that's important, we got to find ways to keep it hot and interesting. What if you're good with what you've got going on? Do you think that that's healthy or do you think that you should always be striving for more? Because like, I hear all that and I'm like, oh, that sounds exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) It is exhausting. It can be exhausting for sure. Right. And like, I'm like, I feel like I'm great with like the regular, like I would lose my mind. I could never do it. I could never go to a sex partner party. I could, but not with my husband. 
Right. Do you know it's what I mean? Like, exactly. Like if no, I was I with friends, friends I could go. I don't talk about this that much. It's a whole yeah. new thing. So I'm not like so going to new. sex parties every It's time. new for you. It's totally okay. new. I went 20 years ago when I was starting the show. So no. So people, because people are always like, oh, do we need to talk, Emily? Is this a new thing? Because I never. So this is the first time I've talked about it besides on my show a few weeks ago when I had the founders of this party on. But no, this is not our jam. We don't do this all the time. This is not like another. But we just thought like, Let's just try it and see what happens. And a lot yeah. came up for us. It was a good, was a good learning tool. But no, Olivia, to answer your question, if you're both good with the sex you're having, like that's amazing. I'm just giving like that's an extreme yeah. version of like most couples just need to like talk about it. What turned you on? When is a good time to, day to have sex if we're not having it? What most couples have to work on is like, are we having it enough that we both feel good and connected? Right. Are we having enough that we're getting our needs met? Like. Do we have it as many times a week as we need to? Are we interested in it? Are we both having orgasms? However that is, maybe it's mutual masturbation. Like, you know, there's a lot of different ways. So yes, you're fine. You're so good. <laughs> I'm just going you- to like, we just started the sex parties. But like most people though realize that like after a while, they just want to, you know, sometimes it's even just troubleshooting. Like what if we get to a point where it's not good? What can we do to continue mm-hmm. to yeah. feel like this is a safe relationship and open space to talk about it? Right. Yeah, which is amazing. And I feel like um, there's part of me that is like, I wish I could be more open, you know? But then when I think of my husband, I get like, no, 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 no. Well, that's interesting. Which is great. Yeah. Have you guys talked about it before? About I remember when we first met, I asked him, I think he would be open to all of it. Like when we first met, I remember asking him like, have you ever been in an orgy or would you want to? And he was like, of course I'd want to. And he was like, you? And I was like, no, you know? (laughs) And then he like went to Burning Man and I was like, oh no, he's like having a bunch of orgies there, (laughs) you know? But like, I think he would absolutely be way more open than I am. And I think if I was single, I would be. It's just for some reason I'm like protective of him. Possessive? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Possessive. Yeah. They've been together a long time. 10 years? What are you at? 10 years. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on open relationship? Um, oh, it's so funny you say that. So I was writing this book. So my book is coming out, is out, Smart Sex. Yeah. And I was writing the book and I realized in the last chapter it was like already late because I'm late with things. And I thought I've got to add chapter about open relationships Mm. and consensual non-monogamy because I feel that right now it is having a moment. They've been around for a long time, but there's more of people who are curious about it. They're more open. And so I think, again, people I know who are in consensual non-monogamous or open relationships, it's not for everybody, but then again, neither is monogamy, right? So Mm -hmm. for monogamy, sometimes people are like, oh no, it just doesn't work. Um, We know that we want variety. We know that we need something else. And so I think that this notion that it's just for people who are like sex addicts or they don't have great relationships with each other, like they're doing it to spice it up, like that's wrong. Like if someone's going into an open relationship because they're like, we want to spice it up, that's a terrible reason. But couples who have really excellent communication and they really have a great, really strong foundation and they've done work where they say, you know, I love the sex we're having. I feel really safe with each other. But we have these, I have a fantasy, maybe hopefully both of them feel like it would be really hot to see you with somebody else, to have sex in public, to swap with another couple. 
like, let's, you know, let's try that out. And the couples I know who are successful at this, it's not a rash decision. They've talked about it. Maybe they dirty talked it in the bedroom and they're like, hey, babe, right now I'm picturing somebody else going down on you or we're walking you through and they go through all these scenarios and they actually really put themselves in the situation. They set boundaries. They set rules ahead of time. Um, those couples are very, they, it's successful and it works, you know? So I think for the couples who are finding that like monogamy isn't going to work for them, that they, you know, maybe they see a therapist or they mm-hmm. set boundaries and rules that can work for many people. Right. What do you guys think about it? What's your take on it? It's hard. To, like I'm not in like a long-term relationship right now. And I know when I have been in the past, like I don't think I want to share my partner, but I do remember saying like, it, you know, maybe for your 50th birthday, if that's <laughs> something you need to explore. And I want to believe that I would be open to that if the trust and, you know, the security and the safety is there, you know? Exactly. I want to believe that I can ha- be open-minded like that, but I also know that I can be a little like Olivia's, like, shaking her head. But She's like, you won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's trust, though. It's trust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a relationship where you are worried that your partner is cheating or you don't feel great about your own sex life right now, which let's be honest, I don't know about you, but even for me, it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's times where I'm not in the mood for it. It's just because it's my job. Yeah. I made this my job because I know that sex can be hard sometimes and sometimes I need to work on it too. I'm mm-hmm. not always in the mood and I've got to figure it out what, how I can get there because I know it's important. But yeah, like you, to be open, you have to feel like we trust each other. Mm-hmm. We've gone there. We've talked about sex. We've talked about awkward things. We know how to turn each other on. And literally, this is just a part of expanding our sexual repertoire because we know that we can go there with each other. But if you in any way are like, you know, my partner wants it, but I don't want it. Like, that's a terrible reason to yeah. get into something open or to play around. And it's certainly not for everybody. But when you look at the divorce rate mm-hmm. and you look at how many couples are silently suffering through monogamy, you know, if I just like to give people options that here's some other ways you can play. Right. And there's so many different versions of it too, right? Yeah. I think too, people are made different. Like, I don't think it's a one-size-all you know, approach. I think that there's certain people that have the constitution to be able to do that. And there's certain people that don't just like monogamy. I think it's the same exact thing. So like, I think people can do it. I've actually seen a couple that opened up their relationship quite a few times and they're still together and it's like a successful marriage, but they both felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the, the key. key. That's if the you key. have one that's like, like, like I was telling Rachel, we were talking earlier today because that's all we do is talk. <laughs> and I, I said to her today, I was like, I think I'm one of those people that's a thousand percent capable of going my whole life without cheating. Like, I feel like that's my truth, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's other yeah. people that, that don't. But like, I think it can work. Absolutely. I mean, and I do think it's a personality type and they've actually shown this too, that there's certain personality traits that are more akin to cheating or they're more likely to cheat or more likely like the impulse control. If you have ADD, if you have other like on the personality spectrums, those people are more likely to cheat, right? And I think we know who they are. I don't know about you guys. I've dated so many like guys. (laughs) I've been in so many different (laughs) kinds of relationships. Like I have not, like I'm not your traditional person either. Like I really was not set up to be in the traditional structure of marriage and family and all that. However, I've gone out with lots of guys and I know, I can tell you the ones I was like, he would definitely cheat, he would not. Yeah. <laughs> and we've all been, at, right? Like, you know, right away. Like, I remember like, 
oh God, I talk about, we'll call him Mike in the book. Like he was the guy that I like, I love Mike. Like I was living in San Francisco. He was in LA. And I knew like every weekend, like he was at parties and going to the clubs. I'm like, he for sure was that guy and wasn't doing anything to make me feel safer in it. But I liked him for all the bunch of other reasons. Mm -hmm. But what I realized as I got older is like, it's huge to me to feel safe with somebody. Like I need that. I need to be able to feel safe. Like I know that my partner would never, I just know that he wouldn't. I just know. I don't explain it. You right. just know. And I actually would put that out to your listeners. Like think about it for a minute. Are you dating someone right now? Like if you close your eyes, like is it a hell yes or hell no? Would this person cheat? And I think if you think that they might, that might be a really interesting place to go a little bit deeper right now in your relationship and think about like, is that mm. real? Is that my worry? Is it fear? Is it because, or is it... is it fear? Is it based on like my mother cheated on mm -hmm, my father? Mm -hmm. Or is it your last partner cheated on you? Or is it like a deep insecurity, like something that you're working on yourself? I just think it's an interesting place. But I think, Olivia, I like what you're saying. Because like, you you know, you're not... I'm, I, okay, but here's the other thing. I am a reformed cheater. So I used to cheat. Oh, I want to know what 20s. your thoughts are on that. So, yeah. but now I'm not. So, okay. I hadn't thought about this before. I love this. <laughs> I was a cheater in my 20s. I again, was like this kind of like, I just can't imagine being with one person for the rest of my life. And I would get in these relationships with men. And I thought, I'm with you for a you know, year, year and a half. And then there would start to be a problem with a lot of times with the sex life. I wasn't as attracted to him anymore. I wasn't having orgasms as we've already established, blaming them, which definitely wasn't their fault. I know, Rachel, you said that too, when yeah. you know, all your quotes came out about it. It's like, it wasn't it had it nothing wasn't to do fault. with No, it had nothing they to do with them. They great men. Yes. I dated the nicest, mostly very kind men. I just didn't know that I could like ask for what I want. And then I was like, okay, well, here's somebody else, this bright, shiny up person. And like, then they're going to make it better, right? And then I would go out with that person. I would cheat. And then I would end that last relationship and I'd go with someone else. And I kept trying to go from one relationship to the next. And then I realized in my 30s, when I got in my 30s, I thought, you know what? I don't want to be going from relationship. This doesn't feel good. I actually want to be with somebody where I don't want to cheat because this just feels awful. And I never got caught. I think it was always like towards the end or whatever. It doesn't really matter, but it's all bad. And I thought, I'm going to take, I'm going to take time to be really honest with people I'm dating. And I'm going to say to them, like, I'm actually not going to commit right now. I'm dating a few people. So I sort of practice being more like dating in an open way and being uh -huh. really honest because I thought, you know, this, this doesn't feel good to not be, I guess, realistic, honest, and open. And I thought a great way to learn about my own body, my own sexuality. And I, this is probably about the time I started to show, I thought I'm just going to practice everything that I'm learning in a real relationship. But I thought I want to learn to make great sex last with somebody. And that's mm. what I was really focused on. And I realized I didn't need another person to make me feel hot or whatever the reasons I was cheating on. So I decided like, I'm not going to be with someone if I have that urge to cheat because that doesn't feel good. So I made a conscious mm. effort to not be a cheater. And now I would never never cheat again. But I did it. Once a cheater is always a cheater. You've proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think again, because I did the work, I like drilled down. I'd like, I wanted attention from men. It made me feel really good. I like lost my father when I was younger. It was like Aww. tied into daddy issues. Like, let's be honest, therapy has been a huge part of my journey. And I think we can all change our behaviors. We can change our dating behaviors. We can change how we are in the bedroom. So many things if you commit to, you know, therapy. And I think you people are like, oh, I went a few times. I didn't like it. It's a practice. It's yeah. going like once a week for a year, mm -hmm. sometimes twice a week. Forever. Going hard things. Forever. <laughs> Literally forever. Yep. Never done. I've been going through stuff lately, called my therapist, you know, back at it. So I think for me, really realizing what it was that was making me cheat, not wanting to commit all the sex stuff, I sort of was able to figure that out and then not a cheater yeah. to date. 
That, I love that. I love that. Broad Ideas is supported by OptiGreens 50 from First Form. OptiGreens 50 is a precisely formulated green superfood powder meant for overall immune system support and digestive health. About 80% of your immune system is located in your gut and digestive tract. So healthy digestion is essential for overall health and wellness. OptiGreens 50 has 50 hand-chosen ingredients. It's not necessarily how many ingredients. The more important point is that there is the right amount of each of the ingredients. Taste and texture are like no other product on the market, not gritty, and it has a sweet berry flavor from natural flavors. We are so confident in the flavor that if you don't like it, we offer a 110% money-back guarantee. Send it back if you don't think this is the best tasting and highest quality greens powder on the market, and we'll give you your money back plus 10%. 100% of the greens ingredients are all grown and manufactured in the USA. Low temperature processing increases the bioavailability of the product, meaning your body can more effectively utilize the nutrients in the product instead of the nutrients being high temperature processed, which leads to lower usable nutrient content for your body to benefit from. Visit firstform.com ideas. That's one S-T-P-H-O-R-M dot com slash ideas. Firstform.com slash ideas. Broad Ideas is supported by Caldera Lab. Ladies, is there anything more attractive than when a guy takes care of himself? Our new partner, Caldera Lab, is helping guys get their healthiest skin with an all-natural, simple skincare routine that is clinically proven to work on all skin types. This is a great gift for your husband or partner, any father figures in your life with Father's Day right around the corner. With their clinically proven products, wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging are visibly reduced and a surefire boost to their confidence this summer. Use code IDEAS at calderalab.com to enjoy an exclusive 20% off their finest products. Skincare is huge. It's very important to me. I like when a guy cares about skincare because they should. It turns out that a lot of guys want to take care of their skin and they just don't know where to start. And that's where Caldera Lab comes in. Caldera Lab makes it simple for guys with their four-step daily routine. And after he feels his face after using these products, he'll be hooked. And ladies, these products are actually up to our standards. The ingredient list is insane with all plant-based, cruelty-free, organic, or wild-harvested ingredients and science-backed formulas. Committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence, Caldera Lab is on a mission to better men's skincare around the world. Through uncompromising craftsmanship, exceptional ingredients, and rigorous transparency, Caldera Lab is here to upgrade the father in your life's skin and confidence. Now here's the exciting part. You can get 20% off with your exclusive code IDEAS at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using code IDEAS. Give the gift of skincare to the man in your life to make father time a thing of the past with Caldera Lab. You know, when you were saying earlier, uh, I can relate to growing up in a household where there was infidelity um, and then taking that into my own relationships as I got older, like my first serious relationship, it was high school, but it was my first serious relationship. I was cheated on you know, um, a lot. And so it kind of put it in me that I was always thinking it was going to happen, yes, you know, like exactly. always, no yeah. matter what, like, oh, I have to check the phone. I know something's going on. And I'm like, how can I differentiate what's real and what's just fear because of what I've been through and what I grew up with? Exactly. And it's so hard and it's taken so much to like 
to look at what's actually like your intuition and what's fear. And Olivia talks to me about this all the time because most of the time it's just fear and it's not real. But sometimes when it is, I always know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but it, that's your intuition. Right. Right. Because because the difference is when you're in your head and you're in fear, that's not your intuition. Mm -hmm. But when you get those gut feelings like I just know. Yeah, and I always not, do. <laughs> yeah, you do always. I do. Yeah. 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 You do. Yeah. You, you're checking the phone because sometimes there was something that happened that didn't match up or didn't add up. And if you're with like a trusting partner, they'd be like, okay, I get why you checked the phone, but that's, you know, not the case or that is the case. So, right. and it's not in every relation. It's not like all the time, but you know, there's just certain instances. Yeah. I think a, a woman's intuition, like if you're in touch with that and in tune with it, there's nothing stronger as far as I'm concerned with what I've lived through. <laughs> no, you're absolutely, I'm so with you. I call it this. Okay. This is the first time I've talked about this as well, but <laughs> this is what I've realized. Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> when there's something and you're not sure, like, is this a yes or is it no? Like I, you, you say hell yes or hell no. It's like, is it a, is it a vagina blast or a vagina cleanse? Like you tune in yeah. <laughs> to your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor will tell you whether you're deciding that I want to buy this shirt. Do I want to be with this partner? Do I want to go on this trip? And you're like, what? Like, let me tune in. Is this a vagina blast or is my vagina cleansing? It is that is the power source. Oh my God. That's You're where all so the right. comes in. Oh my God. Yeah. My mom would not agree with your you. Your mom more. would love I mean, she's like, that. Am yes. I like your mother right now? I'm telling you though, but I want yeah. people to be like that. We know women know and honing into that because I think I've had to work on that too, not trusting myself, not mm -hmm, trusting my yeah. gut, turning mm -hmm. against myself. And when I think about it that way, I'm like, is this a is this a full body yes or a full body no? It's led me down better path. Right. Yeah. No, but that's my mom's always been like, you know, the vagina, like literally you, you, life passes through and comes through and out, you know, in most cases, unless you're a C-section, but like, you know, you travel <laughs> right. out, like, it's just like the most powerful thing. And you know, another thing she told us, which I never realized was that there isn't actually a G-spot inside in for women. Is that true? Well, there's a G area, as I call it. We could talk about that. There's a G area. Mm -hmm. There's internal clitoral nerve endings. And there's been all this debate about, does the G spot exist? Does mm -hmm. it not? Mm -hmm. I just say, do some exploring. And it, there is, like, or some people call it the female prostate. Yes. Um, there is an area, though, that it helps when you have a clitoral orgasm first. And there's an area about an inch and a half inside your vaginal opening. And when you're more aroused and around, there is, like, a, an area where you can feel it's a little bit raised, like a um, kind of has like a, a rougher texture, like a like a peach pit or something, and you feel that start to swell. And then if you apply pressure to that area, you can have, you know, orgasms, more pleasure. Some people, that's where you squirt, if you want to talk about squirting. Um, yeah, can so, we talk about squirting? Yes, we can. <laughs> so oh there's the debate that it's just pee. Is that true? There are traces of urine in it, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's the periurethral glands that are close to the urethra. And when they've done these studies, they have shown that there's urine in it. A lot of it is urine. But some say traces of urine, some say partial urine. But they have also done studies where people, women, empty their bladders completely, and then they have sex, and then they emit fluids. And it turns out those fluids, it has like prostate, prosthetic fluid in it, which is similar hmm. to that, which is now this to when men ejaculate. So ejaculation is a different substance for sure, but with urine in it. And the problem with freaking squirting is that we're so caught up in what it is that some people are grossed out by it or they shame themselves or there's all this pressure to do it because of porn now. No one was asking about squirting like 15 years ago, but since porn has been in our hand, everyone's like, what is squirting? So 
it's by direct stimulation to internally to that G area and you apply the pressure there and it's not like a fast in and out, but it's like a pressure. And again, it helps to already be aroused and turn on and then you can emit fluid that way you might ejaculate. So here's the thing I also want to say is that you, I think that every woman could pretty much learn to do it. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. You can learn to do it. But I just want to say this also, and we have a great episode about squirting. Uh, it's probably one of our, it's so funny, like probably one of our top downloaded episodes because you're like, <laughs> what the hell is it? And I had this woman who's like been teaching since the 70s and she's like the squirting expert, Deborah Sundahl. <laughs> I love she it. She wrote a book on it. And I was like, I brought it. She's like, never done a podcast. It was like, you've got to talk about like your research on squirting. So she explains it all. and But the thing is, is that it can feel really great. It can be a great release, but you can, for, so for women, I want you to know, you can squirt and have an orgasm at the same time, or you can squirt without orgasm. So for some women, it's just like a release, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily related to orgasm. It's really just related to pressure. That is interesting. Yeah. And anyone can do it? I think anyone can do it with practice, but also I don't want anyone to feel pressured because I think I'm hearing from a lot of women now who might feel pressure mm-hmm. to perform because of porn. Mm-hmm. And the part is like, can't you squirt like that? Can you do this thing? Can you shoot it across the room? And then there's like, oh, it's another thing I got to do. Right. Right. It's I another think- thing I got to do. <laughs> yeah. But I know it's a thing that like some people are like super into it and it's a fetish and they like it. Or there's other people that are like, it's a mess and everything gets wet. Exactly. There's everything there. And the thing about sex too, like, is it your, is it not? Part of me is like, so what? Like if it is your, like, throw a towel down yeah. and. Right. Yeah. Be prepared. Sex is messy. Be prepared. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it is a very like common question right now for women. But I think, yeah, have fun with it if you do. How do you feel about um, sex on your period? I feel good about it. I feel like for some women, again, Listen, there's like bio-individuality, right? We are all so different that like I always, this is just what I I think when you ask like my philosophy around sex is like, we're all so different. Just explore what feels good. So for me, yeah, like maybe the first day of my period, I don't want mm-hmm. to Yeah, not sex, so much. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's you throw down a towel and you, it's totally fine and it's it's safe, it's healthy. But for some, they're like, no, that's just my week, my time. I don't want to mm-hmm. do it, but I'm okay with it. Do you find it a turnoff if a man isn't into that? I have historically. I have to say, no, I've been too. shamed. I remember dating him. Oh God, I remember dating a guy who like, turns out he was a little OCD. So like my heart goes, it's not easy being like having these kind of things. And that was probably a nightmare for him when he was like a clean freak. And we had sex and there was like blood everywhere, right? So like sex is over. And he like, Ju- I still remember his butt. Like I can see his butt like leaving the bedroom and <laughs> jumping into the shower. I'm like, oh my God, he's horrified. And he's like, we got to get in the shower fast. And like took the sheets off the bed. It was like, you oh know, my he God. was like horrified. It's like, here's the thing about women. I just want to say like, that was like an extreme example. So that didn't feel good because I felt shame for it. I'm like, I didn't know I was about to have my period and it happened and I don't want to feel shame in any way. But again, the way it's, in our society, I can see like it's just not for everybody. But I would definitely want to I mean my partners of late are very and my partner, they're open. They're like it's cool, like whatever, whatever you want to do. And I think that that comes with maturity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the guys who've been with a lot of women realize like that's gonna happen mm-hmm. and every month, and it's part of sex. Sex is beautiful and messy and dirty sometimes, and we make noises and it's awkward and we make funny faces, and that's part of the beauty and the pleasure in it too. Right. There's so many things, you know, that come along with sex. And I feel like women, I feel like we have to deal with more of the embarrassing shit. 
Well, but if you think about it, so this is what I talk about. The things that's keeping us from sex are these pleasure thieves, right? It's like stress, trauma, and shame. These are the things mm-hmm. that's preventing us from having great sex, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like to you. It doesn't have to be orgasm. It could just be connection. But when we're in our heads and we're so worried, like, I'm going to make a noise, mm-hmm. I'm going to squirt, I'm going to do something that's weird or not sexy or not hot, and then I'm going to be shamed for it, that fear completely takes over. And then we can't calm our nervous mm-hmm. system and get into the mood for sex and even feel our way towards arousal because we have all of this shame. So if we can just, by t- so I love that you're talking about it and I love that you're having me on to really go there because I think it's, I, I just want to tell people that on the other side of shame and the other side of worry and fear is your pleasure. Right. And pleasure is like, pleasure is so important, especially, you know, now I think that we, we, put conditions on pleasure. Like I only deserve pleasure. Whatever pleasure is, it doesn't have to be sex. It could be, I deserve dessert or I deserve to hang out with a friend or go work out or whatever those things that give you shopping. Once I achieve something, then I can have more pleasure. But the truth is pleasure is productive. The more pleasure we have in our life, the more productive we're going to feel. We're going to feel better because even if you give yourself an orgasm, you have a serotonin rush, dopamine. You have all these mm-hmm. like, feel-good hormones that are going to make you feel better and then help you propel you for the next thing. So I think once we can examine our own relationship to sex and to pleasure and sort of release what's not serving us and bring in what feels good and prioritize it, we're going to have much more pleasurable, productive lives. Right. For sure. I've always been a person that, like I said before, the people-pleasing, like whatever, like if a guy goes down on me, I'm instantly like, oh, this is taking too long and like, oh, they're down there. And okay, no, enough, enough. Let's just have sex. Like, you know, that constant just pressure of like, this isn't going to happen. Or if it is going to happen, it's going to take way too long. And I feel like, I think there are women that do that. And it's like, how do you break out of that and be like, either comfortable or, you know. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just, that's, that's, that's was my problem too. I I think I making sure that I'm with a partner who I'll say to them, like, this is going to, you know, this is I, I this is going to take a bit, mm-hmm. and I would I advise people who are going down on women the best thing that you can say is, "I'm not going anywhere. We have all night, right? Just Lay because back. you're relaxed, and then even if it doesn't take yeah. all night, at least you'll get there because you're calm. Because I right? know that you're in it, and you want mm-hmm. to do it because what's going through I don't know about you, what was going through my head was like, do I smell? Do they not want to be here? Is this something that they're just trying to get finished with so they could just penetrate me because those are all the things. If we already covered that most women aren't going to orgasm from penis at all, mm-hmm. usually it's from a mouth, fingers, or toys. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to have the most pleasure. I just literally want to buy a billboard that says that. I would love to have a <laughs> billboard that just like tell people that so we don't feel shame. So kind of just knowing that that's a requirement, mm-hmm. that I think it allow us to feel much more safer and being with partners who are like, I am down. Like I want to do it. what makes you feel good Right, is important. That's for the sure. biggest. And that's how I got more. Right. The biggest Safe key. With it. For sure. Yeah. The key. And also realizing the other thing that I, I love is that knowing that sex doesn't have to be as like linear or as like, um, I think the problem is when we think that we both have to come and we both have to have all these mm-hmm. things. Like, what if there's a night where like my partner is just going down on me? Right. And then we go to dinner and maybe the next night I go down on him or we have sex together or we, whatever it is, like it doesn't knowing that we both are there for each other. We both want each other to have like, and you know that I'll be here tomorrow. I got you tomorrow. It's like we have unlimited potential for pleasure and we can make space and time in our schedules. And so just kind of having, again, 
again, it's that open dialogue with a partner. And also when we reject sex, for example, if I'm saying like, you know what, not tonight, not in the mood, but this weekend, my schedule is way more open. I think Saturday night, you should make some time. We should have a date night. We should get a babysitter. Because then your partner's not feeling rejected either. And you're saying, I don't want it right now, but I do want it later. Or mm-hmm. This is where it might happen. So you're not just, you know, I don't know. It's all about the communication expectations and opening. I have a question. Yes. Do you get sick of talking about sex ever? <laughs> do I get sick of talking about it? Sometimes I get, well, I, well, here's what happened. I love that you asked this question because, okay, to be honest, after 20 years, I was like, I can't believe every single day there's a woman who hasn't an orgasm, who's still faking orgasm. Every right. single day, there's a man who's shameful about his penis. Mm. Every day, there's somebody, and it's the same five questions. I can tell you that there's a million questions, but they all root from these same five questions. And so honestly, that's why I just, I was, so I was writing this book. I got a great book deal from HarperCollins. I'm writing a book. They're like, we just want you to write a book, your top tips. And I'm writing the book and I realized like, oh my God, what, how can I help people? Because I can't answer every question anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even, like, I, I've said it. How do I help people? So I, I actually wrote the, in the middle of the book, I got a fucking channel from the universe that was like, you got to help people. And I saw these five pillars and I called it sex IQ of sexual intelligence. And it was the five pillars that people can now go in there and they can look at why they can't have an orgasm, what to do about their self-confidence, why they're not aroused and turned on for sex, how to ask their partner to get what they want. Because let's say the three of us here, okay, Olivia, Rachel, it's myself. Let's say the three of us couldn't have an orgasm tonight. We tried to have sex and we couldn't have an orgasm. There would be different reasons why, right? So what, for me, I might look at my five pillars and these are the five pillars of sex IQ that are in my book. And I have a sex IQ quiz that people can go and realize it. And I can diagnose myself, if you will. I can say, okay, one of the reasons is because one of the pillars is communication or collaboration. I'm resentful to my partner. I'm so mad at him that he didn't um, show up this week when he said he was going to. I'm having resentment. So my body is shut down and I need to talk to him about this thing. And that's why I can't have an orgasm. For one of you, it might be because you're on a medication right now. And this, maybe you're taking some kind of medication that's impacting your ability to, that's why you can't have an orgasm. And one of you else, because you're really like stressed out or you haven't been moving your body and it's a blood flow thing. So there's Hmm. five pillars that we can go through. And I do this all the time. I'll look at my, I have my phone. I have the five pillars. I have my notes app and I'll run through all of them to know why, because it's really about my overall wellness too. If it's impacting my sex life, it's probably impacting my work my friendships, my ability to show up in other Mm. areas, but I help people decode that. So to answer your question, well, it was a lot to talk about sex after all this time. I'm super excited now that everyone can have sexual intelligence in their own hands so they can kind of figure it out and troubleshoot so we can all better sex. I love that. And it reminds me of, um, because I'm in AA and people will be like, well, you, you haven't drank in 12 and a half years. Like, why do you have to go to those meetings and don't you get sick of talking about it? And yes, it's like the reason we do it is for the one person in the room that needs to hear what we have to say. Exactly. And That's someone exactly needs it. to hear it every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. God, mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love the 12 steps for everything. I think that that is Me too. so friggin' healing. Yep. Every day you go back. So I think that's it. I mean, thank you for sharing that because it's like you... Well, I get, I feel like every day there's somebody who needs to hear the stories. That's exactly it. And so that's why I've done thousands and thousands of podcasts and the different ways you say it, you need to hear things enough that it finally sinks in. Like maybe right yeah. now that we're talking about this, maybe Rachel, even you saying like you haven't had your orgasms or you have challenges with your partner. Someone's going, oh my God, me too. And I 
want to be empowered and I want to ask for pleasure and I'm going to not fake it anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start asking for what I want or I'm going to figure it out because they've been through this as well. So, and I also know the thing that gets me up every morning is that it's still shameful, that it's still taboo in most places. Most people have not talked to their partners about sex. So if I can get more people to do that and to feel safe, either buying the book or listening to a podcast or listening to your podcast, it just, that's why I'm up in the morning. Right. That's what it's, it's incredible. about. And you're giving you're giving the tools too, which is you know when you're looking at all these things like your pillars that you have in mm-hmm. your book, and it's it's I think that's so helpful because when people can actually pin it to things, and then you have a better understanding. Exactly, exactly. It's so liberating, right? We think that the bedroom is this isolated thing. Like if you've been walking around all day, you're like, I hate my body. Um, I'm mad at my partner. I'm sluggish. I'm tired. And then we think I should get into the bedroom. And I should feel like a sexy goddess. I should feel in my body and I should be able to have orgasms and do tricks. It's like, why? why? It's not an isolated, you know, it's not an isolated incident. It's like it's it's not disconnected from everything you've done all day. So I want to set people up for success, whether they're in the bedroom or outside the bedroom. Right. Yeah. And I think I like the, the you know, in long terms, and I know, Olivia, you we're saying like you don't need it or whatever, but just switching it up and trying new things and being open. And I know I've always been like that in long-term relationships where it'd be like, okay, I'm going to wear something and I'm going to strip and I'm going to do, you know, <laughs> like all, but it, again, maybe people pleasing, I don't know. <laughs> but like, it is something that I think, because one of our questions we do like to ask is like, how do you keep it fresh in long-term relationships? Mm-hmm. And I think that does speak to all of that of just like, and like you said, it can be as simple as like, here's a lube. And even like bringing Literally. toys into the bedroom. Like I didn't have a vibrator until I was in my mid-30s. Like I hadn't even tried a toy until it was it was given to me as a gift. And it was like, oh, well, this is easy. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's a sure thing. Yeah. You're like, well, hold on. Like I didn't have this for so long. But then introducing that. But introducing it into the bedroom, I think that there can be certain types of situations in men where men feel either – threatened by it or mm-hmm. you know like they can't perform but I feel like do you find what are the red flags for you in dating yeah. with sex well I think I think well first off yeah I think that toys can be a game changer I mean think about first of all with toys is that our bodies are covered in nerve endings and the reason why toys feel good it's not like a replacement people do there are some men who feel threatened by toys like it's gonna replace me mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. a toy is not gonna cuddle like it doesn't take you to the farmer's market on right. Sunday like it's not gonna replace you okay first <laughs> off but it is it <laughs> is just another way like it's, it's first of all it's it's the sure thing it's gonna we have deep internal nerve endings that are not going to be able to be stimulated by a penis or fingers at all that's the other thing and and that kind of like, right, but but you can be, it can be an inclusive thing that you use with a partner. And so what I would say to men who who do feel threatened by it, what I've done too with partners, like I always use toys. I love using toys. I love using them with my partner is I'll say, look, I got this new toy. And here's the other thing. I think that there was this fear that for a lot of men that the toy is like this big phallic object that's going to like, again, like that's bigger than their penis. And first off, if you do have a big phallic vibrator, that's awesome. I probably wouldn't use that one the first time you're with a partner. <laughs> but usually they're like little, yeah. they're like they're like little things that fit in the palm of your hand and vibrate. And I'll just say, look, look, I got this vibrator and look how cool it is. And then I'll grab them, right? Like if we're naked and I'll rub it on their shaft or on their balls mm-hmm. or on their chest and show them that they're like, oh yeah, that feels good. Because vibrations and warming sensations and all these things feel good. They're like, oh yeah, that's really cool. And I'll show them how I use it on myself. I use it on them. I'll go back and forth. And then usually it's like, 
They're like, they see what it does. I can have multiple orgasms with it. They have orgasms and pleasure with it. And they're happy and they're like, let's bring that toy along with us. So I think <laughs> it's the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this toy is going to be this scary thing. And then when it's not, and they just realize like, oh, that made it a lot easier. We both had pleasure. You had orgasms in record time and you seem happy. Yeah, they should um, be happy. Let's You're like, let's it. work for me. <laughs> exactly. I don't love them, but that's, you know why? I think, I think it makes me orgasm too quick. Yeah, that's real too. I like to be able to work for it a little bit because I'm a little bit like what they say about men. It's like once you have the orgasm, they roll over and they're done. done. That's how I am. Once I have an (laughs) orgasm, I'm done. So I don't want it to happen that quick. Mm. Which is a little that makes sense too. A little you know that you're gonna get there. So you have an orgasm. You are know how to do. I do. Yeah. 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 So for me, toys are like it's too fast. Yeah. Though that makes sense. Absolutely. And that is. See, so I would say that's the case for for many, many women. I, I don't even know what the percentage. I wouldn't even say half, but 20, 30, 40% are like, no. I, I, And some women don't like oral sex too because they're really, really sensitive. Mm, and right. I found that the women who have multiple orgasms during penetration, there are women like that, that typically they don't like oral sex because their clitoris is really sensitive, which means it just has a ton of nerve endings, which yeah. is why they're more likely to orgasm during penetration. So- it's like nothing I speak about is is universal for everybody, of course, but I love that you, you know, no, that and, you know that. And, and as you were explaining that, you know what I was thinking? I was like, she must be great in fucking bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I should tell my partner to come in here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But do you, I was like, yeah. what a, yeah. It was so much fun. But you say bring him in? Oh, no. <laughs> He's in the other room. You're like, yeah, bring him but, in. No, but d- do you ever, do you feel pressure that like, because you're such an expert that you have to be the best they've ever had? I have felt pressure. I have. I, early on, I think I felt pressure like, oh God, because first off, but here's the thing you have to understand. Like, I'm a nice girl. Like, I'm not sitting there with like a bullhorn being like, to the left, to the right. Like, that's not my clitoris. What are you, what are you doing? So I'm not that, but there is pressure that it's like, I've got it. But, but, but the truth is, um, the reason why I am a great lover and the reason why I have confidence is because I'm present. I talk about sex and I'm open and I pay attention. And I honestly think that those are the secret ingredients for everybody to be great in bed. If you are open to communicating about it with your partner without shame, mm-hmm. you can, you know, I think the shame, we're learning to manage your shame and your stress and your all that stuff. And you could openly say like how, like for example, my partner would be like, he'll come up to me in the bathroom. We're getting ready for bed. And he like kisses me. I'm like, babe, I can't have sex. I'll be real. I'm like, Oh, I fucking I adore you. I'm not gonna be able to have sex tonight, but like I can't wait for this. Like I'll just call it right. So in the moment, there's not this weird thing that's gonna happen. So I know how to talk about it, right? But when it does happen, I also know that he knows that I can't have the lights. I want candles, not the overhead light. <laughs> the room has to be warm, not cold. On a cold night, he tur- I'll turn on the space heater. My toys have to be charged. The lube has to be in the nightstand. The lights have to be off in the, in the house. We have to have closed down the house. Like I have figured out how to reverse engineer my arousal so I know all the things that need to happen to make me a great lover in bed. Hmm. So I know how to talk about it. I know how all the things that I'll need present for it to happen. Um, And I know how to be present with my partner for what they want. So to me, those are all the things that make a great lover. And opposite of that would be somebody who is faking orgasms, not self-aware, just about their own pleasure, just having sex and grin and bearing it. And- I try not to do those things. I try to be really real and present. So I think that's, and that's accessible to everybody. Right. Yeah. But do you ever have those times where you're like, all right, fine, just go for it. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure <laughs> I do. Yes. But I'm conscious of it. I'm like, and he'll even say that. He's like, you're such a good girlfriend because it'll be nice. Yeah. I think yeah. it just happened. I've been going through stuff. I've not been in the mood for sex. I've had a lot going on. And um, it's been honestly challenging the last few weeks. But I also know, I know <laughs> that it's important. Like, is he here? He's like, literally work at home. Yeah. But I know how important it is. I'm like, it can't be three weeks. Like we need to make the time to yeah, connect. Yeah. And there's been times where I'm not, but he's like, I'm like, I know. It. And then once you do it, honestly, sex begets sex. So the more, even yes. if you don't, it's like when you exercise and you've been to the gym in a while and it's really hard to get your shoes on and get out the door. But once you do, like you realize, oh, that was the hardest part. I got to the gym. I took the class. I did the thing. Yeah. The same is with sex. So there's times where I'm just, I realize I could go a while without it because there's a lot going on. And I'm like, no, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to do what I need. And then I do it. Yes, of course. But I'm conscious of it. We talk about it. I wasn't totally there. I don't even want to have an orgasm right now. I'm going through something, but this is about you. And then I can show up and be really present because it's my partner and I love him and I know how important it is. And I'm not thinking that some magical things are going to come down from the universe and make it amazing and sprinkle fairy dust on it. I know that great sex takes effort, communication, and lots of lube. (laughs) that's amazing this was so informative and incredible and i do appreciate like i said growing up with all of this i appreciate that you are you know out there and and it's it's just accessible for women and it should everything should be talked about more and especially like raising kids and the education behind it it's so important and you're doing a beautiful job and i can't wait to read your book i'm so excited thank you you so much for having me Absolutely. Yeah, we have oh, to see you in person. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, you're amazing. And, you know, it's it seems like it's more common now for people to be opening up and talking about sex. But the fact that you started this work 20 years ago, I, which right. is hard to believe because you look 20, <laughs> is yeah. amazing. And, you know, yeah. we really respect it greatly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for it's having big me. Deal. Thank you so much. Um, hi. 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 Hello. Um, okay. I would like to open with this fine day. Her legs. No. Oh my God, no. My legs? I'm joking. No, Olivia, it's not Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> um, Lou, she was telling me, Rob, the other day, I actually loved this. Can you please tell the story of Shepard and the flowers? Okay. <laughs> So Shepard, he sees me taking the flowers and putting them in the trash. And he's like, mommy, no, no flowers. And he's doing the sign for flowers. He's like, flowers. And I was like, no, baby, they're all done. They're all done. And he goes and opens the trash and he's like, no, mommy, flowers. And I was like, honey, they died. And he's like, you shot them? He was signing it though, right? Yeah, he was signing. He was like, you shot them? And I was like, no, 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 baby. He's like, daddy shot them? And I'm like, no. He's like, Anna shot them? He's going through everyone. And I'm like, nobody shot the flowers. And then he's doing the sign for vampire. He's like, a vampire got them? Mm. And I'm like, no. They died of old age. And he was just going through, oh my God, it was killing me. And then he brought everyone over to show them He'd open up the lid and be like, flowers died. (laughs) Flowers down. Oh, but it it was really funny. He thought I shot the flowers. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's my favorite.
It's a hard concept to explain. It is. Yeah. They died. He had a hard time with throwing those away. That's it was that's so cute. You shot them? <laughs> oh, and then he was doing zombies. Like, did a zombie get them? Oh, it's like it was like a whole book. I was like, this is like a children's book. Like, who killed the flowers? You should write this all down. Yeah, you should book. make it into a book for yeah. him. That's true. Yeah, about the day the flowers died. That's great, guys. I think we're on to something. We are on to something, you guys. This is exciting. Rob, how was your week? It was good. I got back from Mammoth. That was fun. How was your skiing situation? It was good. Um, it had been a long time since I had went skiing. And the only time I had skied was on Wisconsin Hills, which are much smaller than Mammoth oh, Hills. Oh, and you went Mammoth. Oh, boy. I went Mammoth with a bunch of dudes that snowboard often. <laughs> so I, do? I realized that I didn't really know how to ski at all. <gasps> oh. Just be, I mean, it had been long enough, and I think I had been on hills that were You didn't want to try snowboarding, Rob? No, no, I didn't need to. <laughs> I didn't need to do that. Um but then I ended up just on like the bunny hill. We did a couple of the small slopes like once or twice, and then they're like, "All right, let's go up to the big one." Did you go? Like, All right, let's do it. <gasps> How'd you and do? And I mean, I I went down, <laughs> but once standing, and I, I went down standing. Yeah, um, but I needed a little more practice before going up on that again. Oh, I wish you had a GoPro cam so we could witness Rob going down <laughs> like that. Rob down. (laughs) Rob down. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so good. More importantly, I want to hear about the restaurant you went to. I want to hear about everything you ordered and ate. Oh, the restaurant was great. So we went to Volcania. You went twice, right? We went twice. It's the Voltaggio Brothers restaurant up there. And we, I mean, there was six of us. So we just ordered most of the menu the first night. Just most and of the menu, you most know. Most the menu. Casual. Uh, the best thing, they had this Calabrese bruschetta, mm. which was like burrata and pesto and marinara sauce. Mm-hmm. But it was insane. And then they had a crazy pizza, the like the brick oven style pizza called the salumi with like a spicy salami on it. Yum. That's, I love a spicy salami. And then they did a, they have like a take on SpaghettiOs that they do. Oh. Like a fancy SpaghettiOs with a giant meatball. Wow. That was really good. And then the second night, I think my favorite dish from there in entirety, we got a rigatoni that had an Arbiata brown butter sauce. Ooh. So a red sauce with brown butter. Wow. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. They had two red sauces with brown butter on the menu, but. It tasted hmm. insane. It was so good. Oh, that sounds good. I have a question. So was it a group of guys? Group of guys and one girl. So when a group of guys gets together and goes and eats, do you guys talk about the food the whole time and talk about other food and talk about restaurants and breakfast and lunch? Are you Olivia? <laughs> it depends on who you're going with. I mean, these guys aren't going to a ton of restaurants, so that wasn't our conversation. And it was like a hodgepodge of friends of mine that didn't all know each other well so you're not taking a bite being like what in the actual heck is going no, on we're, we're talking about the food and we're eating okay. it but that's not that's not the whole conversation of the dinner what else was the conversation at the dinner 
I don't know. It depends on which pockets of the table you're listening in on. Do you smile when you try these foods? When you try the food, do you smile? Is that what you just said? Yeah. I want to know if Rob's like takes a bite and it's like, yes. Like, does it excite your innards? Because I know how much you love food. I just want to know if you express it. I don't think I'm smiling if it's really good. I think I'll, I'll say this is really good. But I don't have like a big shitting grin on my face. But I, yeah, I guess I'm wondering if you'll say it because you don't like to tip your hand. So I wonder no, I'll what say it. tips your hand. I'll say if it's good or not. Right, but will you show it? No, I'll say it. <laughs> Do you get what I mean, Rachel? Mm-hmm. It was also so hot on the mountain. Like we had to wear t-shirts. Wow. And there's still plenty of snow. And then I got sunburned. Mm-hmm. I had a real nice farmer's tan on my arms because <laughs> I had gloves on and then I was wearing a hoodie. But then I had to roll the sleeves of the hoodie up because it was too hot. So in between my gloves and the sleeves rolled up was just bright red. Lovely. Did it hurt? I uh, didn't feel great. <laughs> my brother said they're going to have snow in, like through the 4th of July, I think. Really? They're saying, I heard them say until August. Whoa. That is just crazy. Half the mountain is closed, though, oh. at this point. So there's only like certain runs that are still open. So Natalie Got stayed it. home with the kids. Mm-hmm. When she stays home with the kids and you guys go on those kind of trips, does she get resentful? Um, Not this one. I don't, I won't normally, I won't do that often. This was kind of a birthday present from her slash trip. So was just the, I'm going to let you go for three days and I'll stay home with the kids. Mm. Got it. Yeah, your birthday's coming up. But we had a resentful wife in the group. Oh. Back home. That Got it. Same situation. Yeah. Was texting and just like well, passive we aggressive. A, we have a group text between Natalie, him and his wife. Uh-huh. And like the first day I had sent a picture of us on the mountain and he was like, don't send her any more pictures. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I enjoy those things, hearing those things. <laughs> How was your guys' week? Briar finished school. The best part was there was a end of the year party at a friend's house and all the girls, I have to show you guys this picture. We're standing in the driveway with huge super soaker guns waiting for any of the boys from their class to arrive. And they just fucking annihilated them. Like I was in the backyard for part of it and I just saw boys walk in just completely drenched. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Really starting those gender wars early. Yeah. 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 It's healthy. <laughs> so that was that. It was a very long day and it's officially summer. And it's like, oh, what do we do with our kids? <laughs> You're officially summer? I thought you'd been summer for a while. Womp womp. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that. And then what else? It was my brother's birthday. And hmm, I don't know, guys. It's still gloomy out here. Still no sun. June gloom. I kind of like it, actually. It doesn't surprise me. Over it. I'm over it, too. I'm supposed to go to the beach today, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be freezing. Yeah, you have to go to the beach and a party, right? 
I have a beach, a party, and supposedly maybe another party. Oh, the Lakota one? Well, I have his birthday and then Charlotte's. So Charlotte, you have to dress up as a dom or a client. You have to dress up as what? A dom or a client to her birthday. So what are you going as, Olivia? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing a dom. I just don't really... Do you have an outfit? No. no. What do you wear? I don't know. Leah's like, as a client, you need like a ball gag in your mouth. <laughs> no, you can wear... She said that Jeff could just wear a suit. And he's a client? Yeah. Jeff doesn't have anything you can borrow? He actually does from when we went to Burning Man, but I can't find it. Oh. I asked Jennifer and she said she has a choker that you can like... A leash? Attach leashes to and shit, but she doesn't have the leashes. Oh. I don't know. I don't have anything to wear, and I have two parties to go to before that, so we'll see. Oh, my God. What if you go to a kid's birthday party in your Dom outfit? That would be pretty amazing. You forget where you're going, and you wear the wrong costume. (laughs) But you could dress in a suit even as a Dom if you're a dude, right? Like, what what would a male Dom dress like? Because, like, automatically what comes into my head for a Dom is, like, sexy, you know, dominatrix, like, you know, traditional wear. Yeah. But, like... Oh my God, Jeff's Burning Man outfit. That's what I said. I'm like, where's oh, no, your Burning Man outfit? It just came into my head. He said he'd wear that. And I was like, I can't. I can't go oh with my you. God. I can't, no, can't bring you to a party dress like that. I it can't bring him to a party like that. just came into my head. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yes. The leathers and the studs and all the of it. Leather. I mean, I think I would have to dress as a dom, but I'm not going. So it doesn't matter. Would you guys ever go to a sex party? I don't think so. No. Would you? No. Rachel I don't know. Won't. Rachel Listen, barely leaves the house. I, I don't think she won't go to freaking... To a regular party. Yeah, she won't go to a <laughs> diner. What is she going to do? And I go to a sex party. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but that I will go to. <laughs> Would you? You were about to say yes. No, no, I was not about to say yes, but I can't really say... You were to say the circumstance in which you would, say, would go. No, I can't really say because I'm not... In a relationship, you know, you go with someone, right? And it's like a thing. So I I don't... I, so you're saying if a, a, a man wanted you to go with, you no, would consider it? No, I'm not it. saying that. I am not saying that. I'm just <laughs> saying I don't really... I, I'm not really in a space to answer like fully, but my first instinct is no. I think there's a difference between going to watch and going to participate. Right. If you go and explore it with a partner, like maybe it's a thing you guys like. I could see that more than like just going around and, you know, doing things with other people. Yeah. I mean, no judgment, whatever works in your relationship. It's just not something I'm interested in. Yeah. I'm not judging at all. I totally get it. Like I understand the people that, you know, are into it. I do understand it, but. Yeah, you're yeah. not kink shaming. No. No. Me? Ne- never. Mm. Never. You're the kink shamey usually, so. That's true. And, I, and nothing is even that kinky, so there we have it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. But it is fascinating, and I want to hear about it. Like, I'm totally down to, like, hear the stories with the people that do go, because I think it's fascinating. Absolutely. I wanted to hear more. It was very interesting. Here's something funny. Okay, so you know how, like, all the things that have been in the press are sex-related. Sure. So all these companies are like, we want to send you dildos we want to send you whatever so every time 
I give my mom's address. <laughs> so my mom will be like, a package came for you. And I'm always like, mom, open it. <laughs> so yesterday she opens the package and I just get a picture of a huge bottle of lube <laughs> and a vibrator. She's like, this came for you. <laughs> you know what? She manifested this. She <laughs> she did. She did do that. She keeps all of it for herself, too. Yeah. I, every time she tries to give it to me, I was like, Mom, no, just keep it here. You'll, you'll get more <laughs> use out of it than I will. Uh, I'll use it when funny. I'm here, Mom. There's a huge box of just dildos, you guys. Like 20 dildos. <laughs> we should have a party and... A dildo party? You know uh, what? Bring those to the party tonight. I was going to say, you got a bunch of props for your party. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it kills me. Every time she opens it, she's like, oh, there's another one. <laughs> do you um, do you want me to give you a bunch of broad ideas cards, Olivia? You can write like our email on them and get a bunch of guests for the podcast while you're at that oh, party. Oh, like a business card. That's sexy. <laughs> Especially yeah. all dommed out. Just like... Represent. I mean, I feel like there's going to be some people... That we're gonna want to poach. Go poach. Yeah, it's a poachable party. For it's a sure. poachable party. Do you ever leave? Jeff and I did this recently. We went to eat, and then we left the restaurant to go somewhere else to get dessert. And then we went to three places to see if they had the dessert we wanted, and they didn't. And we finally what was found the... one. We wanted creme brulee. Oh, interesting. No, I don't think. I mean, I don't know that I would ever search that hard for creme brulee. Maybe we've done it for like ice cream, but we won't, we won't go to another restaurant to like sit down and get dessert. Yeah, we just did that. Wait, you di- you actually went how many restaurants? Well, we went to three different places, but it was like walkable. Oh, okay. And then you, know? you found one that had creme brulee and you sat and had dessert at yeah, that Yeah, we one. found a steakhouse because we're like, they'll have it. <laughs> and then we sat and got creme brulee, yeah. I like you guys. We like creme brulee. <laughs> I am taking my parents to a fancy restaurant in Chicago next week that I don't think my mom's going to eat anything. Why? Aww. Is she picky? She is so picky. Um, it's called Smith and it's like a prefix. She is very picky. So we'll, uh, I'll report back on how she does with a prefix dinner. I didn't even know you were leaving. I'm going back for her funeral. Oh. And he comes back on Father's Day. I'm That's sorry. the news. I'm taking a red eye Thursday night and then coming back Sunday. You want to see? This is this is Bob. Bob. Oh, Bob. Bye, Bob. I love Bob. He's got a sweet yeah, face. He's like the he's sweetest. He was the sweetest. He is so much like my dad. Oh, well, Bob. That's That's heart, really man. nice of you to go all the way out there for that. I guess. You love Bob. Well, I mean, yeah, he, was Bob. All, uh, he was around your whole life. Our right? whole life, yeah. yeah. Him and my dad were best friends since sixth grade. No. Oh wow. Yeah, oh, my and they heart. went to like seminary school together. And my God, my heart. That's a hard one to process. His favorite store was Amazon.com. <laughs> oh, Amazon. Yeah. Tell. Did you send that to Olivia too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How cute is that? <laughs> so cute. Amazon was his favorite store. Yeah, the obituary says, in lieu of flowers, buy a gift for a loved one from Amazon.com, Bob's <laughs> favorite store. That's the sweetest thing ever. So cute. Oh, my God. I love Bob. I feel Bob. Yeah, Bob's a good one. He is a good one. I wish you could share Elliot's letter, but it won't translate unless you just read it. I, I died, though, Rob. Died. 
<laughs> I'll just send it to you right now. Yeah, you got to see this thing. Dear Santa, how fast are your reindeer? How are you in life? I have been a good Bowie. I want to see you. My elf on the shelf is hot. Is what? Is what? I don't know. Is hey is here maybe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I really want you to come. See you <laughs> I like when you come. <laughs> From Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff goes, what are they teaching him in this Catholic school? <laughs> oh, oh, I think so that translates. Good. I think that translates fine. <laughs> That's so good. That's funny, right? Oh my god. <laughs> I was reading that and I was just fucking dying. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. All right, Olivia's going to explain a game that we like to play. We like to give each other things to do to get each other out of our comfort zones. Yes. And so we'll say, okay, here's your task. And then we'll task each other things to do that make us feel uncomfortable, but that are in alignment with what we want. Do you ever do it just to fuck with each other, though, in a way that's not uh, no. beneficial no. for the person? No. Nope. This is in all earnesty. This we, is in a, I want you to have everything you want in life, and we know that in order to get it, you have to do things outside of your comfort zone. So mm-hmm. we like to push each other and give each other tasks. Can we can we get an example of a, the best one that you've each given each other? Well... <laughs> <laughs> nope. You give one, Lou. Well, um, I can give you one Rachel gives me. Yeah. Like I'm looking to get new representation, right? And she knows that. And so she'll be like, I want you to reach out to three people today. I want you to circle back with that person. I want you to blah, 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 which is uncomfortable for me to do. I don't want to do it whatsoever. But she'll be like, by the end of the day, I want to hear that you reached out to three different people. How does Rachel do with her homework when you tell her to do things like that? I do She's it. She's doing right. it. She does it. Oh, She's doing great. Thanks, right. doing great. Olivia. Yeah. What uh, What has your homework been for her? Well. Is this, this, is, this is like. <laughs> uh, when I reach out to guests. Yeah. Is out of my comfort zone and I do it. Big time. That's, that's an example. And you do that to her all the time, Rob. You'll be like, I want you to reach out to yeah. these three people today. And Well, that's why that's why I asked how she does with her homework. Because usually when I do that, I just don't hear from her for two days. <laughs> yeah, but she's then, gotten better, hasn't she? I have gotten She reaches better. out. She's gotten better. But there's still times where she just goes dark when, well, when I tell her to do Well, when you ask me to reach out to like, you know, just way out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? It's part of the exercise like, that... It's part of the exercise we do for each other, Rachel. Message. <laughs> but, but, but we need to give you some now. Rob? Yeah. Oh, oh, good. We gave him one that we can't say. Oh, yeah, we did. Okay. Well, let's start with that. That's a great one. We're, that's your first one, Rob. Well, that, I don't know when that's happening or if Doesn't I'm matter. there All right, for well, it. Let's give him another one. All right. Listen, let's you can give me another one. one. All right. Something out of his comfort zone. He's surprisingly comfortable with things that would make me uncomfortable. Yeah. C- can I get an example of that? You're good at like I feel like you would go up to someone and introduce yourself and 
you know, be like, oh, you know, so-and-so, or you're good at like doing that thing that I would probably just stay in line at the coffee shop and not go up to the person and introduce myself and make a connection. I can do that sometimes. It depends on the context of it. But I feel like you're better at that than most. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that part of that has to do with being around so many people at this point, like from these shows and these podcasts, that it's easy. I have to meet so many people that I have to get comfortable with that. Yeah. See, and I have no problem meeting people. I just, like, I was at a party the other day for a few shows. They were playing like clips of different Apple shows and there was five women on the panel that were speaking. And I went with my friend Nadine and there was two people she wanted to speak to. And I was like, okay, do it. And she would look for an opportunity and then be like, no, I can't. And then, and then she did. And I was like, gosh, it was easy for me to push her but like i would never feel like comfortable doing that right but i guess she didn't feel comfortable doing it anyway she, she just did, did it. it you know right. is that have anything to do with like imposter syndrome or anything like that are you still getting comfortable i think it's like i don't want to bother anyone you know and what she did would never bother someone like she had been introduced to this woman before. It was a director that she admired greatly and been introduced before and just wanted to remind her, hey, we met through whatever and I love your work and I think you're incredible. And in my mind... Yeah, people don't mind hearing I love your work and I think you're incredible. Right. But I, to me, I guess I, I figure, well, they must know that. They don't need to hear it from me. I think... If you if you at least go into it and give them an out to like, I'm just make this a quick, nice comment and then I'm going to back away and let you engage or not engage. I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah, like I, if I were to be that courageous, like what's her face was there? Um, gosh, how do you say it? Hannah Weddington? Wedding him? Oh, from Ted Lasso? From Ted Lasso. Oh, I. Hannah Weddingham? I worship her. I think she's one of the most amazing actresses. She's so full of heart and strength and humor and depth and like all the things that I look up to in an actress. But in my mind, I'm like, well, she knows that. I I feel like you can give her that quick compliment and then... I think that's just your excuse like, oh, she knows that I don't have to say it, you know, and that's also keeping you in your comfort zone because you don't have to actually do it. Would you? Yeah. Would I say something like that? You'd go up to her and be like, hey, I wanted to introduce myself. I think you're incredible. Yeah. yeah. But is that because you think you can because you're famous? Do you know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's why I was getting into the imposter syndrome thing. Because I, th- I feel like because of armchair, I have a little more confidence in going and saying it. But I don't know without that if I would. Right. Right. Let me tell you a story. A friend from high school was on American Idol back in the day, Catherine McPhee. I went and watched one of the tapings, you know, and the OC was on at the time. And sitting in front of me was Chris Rock or next to me. And I thought, oh, my God, like I'm obsessed with Chris Rock, right? 
So <laughs> I was like, I can say something, you know. I'm on TV. I can say something to Chris Rock. <laughs> He'll know who I am. Well, I was young and stupid, right? And I was like, oh, my God, I love you. I think you're so fun. Like, I totally just fangirled hard. And he kind of looked at me side-eye and kind of, like, nodded uncomfortably and, like, kind of smiled and then turned back away. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. Anyway, I met Chris Rock later in life, though, guys. I just want to say he was. When you were more famous, this was, like, four movies in. No, not at all. Not at all. No. Do you see what I mean? I was teasing about the famous the TV thing you guys before, but I was just young and excited. No, to see but Chris there's Rock. nothing wrong with feeling like that. There's nothing wrong um, with that. No, but then later I met him again and he was very nice, but I think it was the setting that was different than like an American Idol taping with his kid. You know what I mean? And he was very nice. Just wanna put that out there. Um let me talk about stories that come from quote unquote a close friend. Yeah. I got sent a story this past week from a publicist. My publicist, sorry. <laughs> uh oh, did the story I told get out? Shut up, Rob. But it was completely fabricated. Not a single thing in it was true. So I can say that people listening, when you read things, sometimes there's truth to it. Sure. Sometimes there's truth to things. But a lot of the time, people just write things, and it's insane because it's completely fabricated. And it says, coming from a close friend, her friends yeah. think X, yeah. Y, and Z. To yeah. be fair, if I'm reading an article and that's the source, I'm, I'm going a to question friend. it. Yeah. But it's like reputable or respectable outlets, too. And it says close friend. So it's yeah, like, I, wait a minute. I think it depends on how many places are picking it up, too, and yeah, how reputable and what well, the sources within it are. And but you know what here's a tricky thing is that there have been times in the past that things came out and it was the source was a close friend and they were actually true and we're right. going so who's we're the like, leak? who's the like, mole? Like, who's, who's we're the like do we set people rat. up like how do how do you know who it is because there have been things that were accurate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're like someone in the inner circle is leaking yeah that's true in the past over the past 20 years there have been yeah. like a few things that got out right have you ever solved any of them we've Never. thought about so many things like what can we plant and see you know but no we haven't it is, it's just olivia i mean the fact that she's <laughs> accusing yeah. other people that's i'm like did, did you ever think it could be <laughs> how do you think <laughs> jeff paid for his doctorate <laughs> yeah well, that's what we think. We're like, it either has to be someone that needs money desperately uh -huh. Uh -huh. or has something to gain. like, Or has a big mouth and talks to the wrong people also is a... Yeah, but you have to be in that kind of circle to talk to the wrong people. Right. We right? have a few suspects. Yeah. But we still have not solved it. We've never solved it. Never solved it. So yeah, so, you know, I just wanted to make... Oh, this is interesting because... My friend, Jill's daughter, Stella, she's 11, you know, and she's like, my friend told me that, you know, Taylor Swift was dating the 1975 front man. And, uh, Which they've broken up since. They've broken up? Okay, well. Yeah, she's been spotted with uh, someone else on other dates. Oh, okay. Thank you for that little gossip, Rob. <laughs> Rob's got the tea. <laughs> but Stella was like, my friend told me that he is not a good dad and like going on. And I said, Stella, let me tell you something. 
as your auntie, (laughs) who has, you know, things have been said about me sometimes in the past that have been completely untrue. So don't believe everything you hear or read. Know it for yourself. But, but, but I want to battle that in a way. Yes, certain stories are not true at all coming from Mm -hmm. a source, right? However, I will say when there's smoke, there's fire. One thing, nobody's ever called you a bitch or a diva or a this or a that because- I've I've called her a diva before. Well, we know she's a diva. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? That usually when people have a reputation, I think when there's smoke, there's fire. There's usually a tidbit of truth to to, it. Yes, sure. I'm not saying there's not truth to things. I'm just saying- just don't believe everything you read or, you know. Oh, no way. Because yeah. you don't know. That's all I'm saying. But yes, that is true. There is truth to things for sure. For sure. Yeah, like when everyone's like, mm, this person's difficult. There has to be something about that. Yeah. Well, d- depending. If it's just one person saying it or there's multiple No, I say when there's everyone saying it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Truth. Truth, y'all. Well, I think we've covered. Yes? I think we got to some good stuff. We did. (laughs) Well done, everybody. Thanks for listening to Broad Ideas. Love you guys. Love you.